about 15 years ago at uh, a number of youth thousand retreats I met a girl named Aoife <coughs> and um, Aoife was a, or still is a drummer and a very talented musician and plays guitar as well sings the whole lot and uh, so I got to know her and the Lord was working away in her life the Lord was the Lord was was, was healing all sorts of uh, experiences from her past that, that had hurt her and eventually she got to the stage where she said look I'm I'm praying for a husband. I'm really, I really, you know, I'd, I'd like to get married. I'd like to get married. And so uh, I'm entrusting this intention to, to St. Joseph. So we're going to pray to St. Joseph, and we're going to pray like mad for, for, for a good husband. And, um, and then she, she heard from someone, uh, as, as happens in religious circles, you hear you have all sorts of sources and people telling you things and sending you things. She heard from someone that if you're praying to the Lord, be specific, tell him what you want. Right? Don't be vague, don't say... He has to have, what is it, X chromosomes, whatever, whatever we have. <coughs> Just be specific. What, what kind of man do you want? So she said, right, well, I'd like a man who is very tanned and has black hair. Great. So she entrusts this intention to, uh, and has faith. Okay, in the, in, the, in the reverse order. Okay, faith, tanned and black hair. Okay. So uh, then she was going to a prayer meeting up in Dublin. She was, she was praying, I don't know for how long, maybe a year or two at this point. She was praying. And uh, she goes on to this prayer meeting and... Uh, spies a fella across the hall who's uh, particularly handsome and uh, seems to be sort of on his own. So between the jigs and the reels, anyway, they got introduced, they met up, and uh, she, she, had, she did indeed have her eye on him, and she said, so uh, what's your name? Oh, my name is Joe. Joe. <laughs> indeed. <laughs> so he ticked all the boxes, um, uh, and, and, and pass with flying colours. Anyway, uh, they, they, they got engaged and got married. And, uh, yeah, I was privileged to be at that wedding and just to see how the Lord answered her prayers uh, so precisely. And she tells the story herself, so I'm not giving away any secrets. She told, actually, she told it at the wedding, so... Uh, so. <coughs> but it's just to see and to have a bit of confidence, more than a bit, to have confidence that the Lord hears our prayers and answers them. He hears our prayers and he answers them in his time, and it can take time. <clears throat> What's interesting, what I always find interesting, what I always find a small, a small little bit scary, and I'm sorry, I don't want to burst anyone's bubble here, <coughs> but uh, uh, it's, it's a, a topic of conversation that comes up in Holy Family uh, periodically when people talk about weddings, right? And this is a topic of conversation that interests who, do you think? <laughs> well, it's not the lads. It, it really isn't. Uh, they just kind of tune out when, uh, as I've mentioned before, when you, when you, when you talk about like, colour palettes and the bridesmaids' dresses matching the flowers, matching the napkins at the reception. Like, most lads don't even call them napkins, they call them the, the tissues. You know what I mean? So, like, just, it just, it's absolutely indifferent. Whatever. So, so it's a topic of conversation that comes up regularly enough. And, again, I don't want to burst anyone's bubble, but it's something that, it, it kind of I wouldn't say worries me, concerns me a little, concerns me, to have uh, so much resting on this one day or so much resting on this one decision. Uh, in reality, marriage, priesthood, adulthood will all have their crosses. That's life. That's just the way it is. 
So in all of our vocations, there will be crosses. And I think it's, just, it's a, a small bit dangerous to, to head into a vocation thinking, as soon as I'm married, as soon as I'm professed, as soon as I'm ordained, all shall be well. That's just not the way it works. It's just not reality. In our, our first reading, there's um, uh, an expression that's it's not maybe the nicest, but it's hopeful. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. On those who live in a land of deep shadow, a light has shone. Again, in our in adulthood, uh, there will be moments of darkness. There will be. Again, I, I wish I could say it another way. I wish I, I wish I could say all you have to do is pray a rosary every day and there will be no darkness in your life. That's not going to happen. You know, for us who are maybe a small bit younger, in time our parents will pass away. Our grandparents may have already. Man, if you have lost your parents. Uh, relationships will, will go sour. Friendships will, will, won't always work out. Relationships won't always work out. In-laws can be quite complicated. Neighbours can be complicated. Work colleagues can be complicated. Contracts can be, can be complicated you know, in, 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 uh, in associations and groups and voluntary organisations. Anything, anything. Once you're working with people, right, things can be difficult. Things can be tense. It's just life. It's just the way it is. It doesn't necessarily mean people are bad, we're just different. So, so these, these experiences of darkness, they will happen. I think it's important to know that, to, to, to know in advance, this is, these things are going to happen. Now, it's not, not, not we have to be pessimistic and everything is going to go wrong. Of course not. But like, there will be days or periods in our lives when, when things might feel dark, when things might feel lonely or difficult, you might feel isolated. This can happen within marriage. So, what then is, is the hope of our faith? Or where do we find something solid to grab onto? Where do we find like a foundation that we can stand on and know that this, this foundation will not give way? The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. And on those that live in a land of deep shadow, a light has shone. That is the Lord. That is him. That is not our amazing abilities or our amazing intelligence or our amazing organizational or whatever it is. The solution isn't merely human because very often what's required of us is superhuman. Being merciful or forgiving or loving or any of these things. They, they, on a human level, they're, they're fine to a certain point. But then your kind of natural, your, your personality, the goodness of your personality runs out. And this is where grace has to take over, or we're just not able. So in this, this, this valley of darkness, like uh, the Lord is our light. The Lord is our help. The Lord is our shield. The Lord is our hope. And that light then, it, just, it, cha it changes everything. I mean, m maybe you've had the experience of, of being, who was telling me recently, of being a child. Da -da -da -da. Someone was telling me, was it, wasn't you, Teresa? No, there was someone um, telling me about growing up in a house. No, it was a, sorry, a testimony I, he I heard. Uh, growing up in a house where all the lights were off at night and there was one bathroom in the house at the end of a long corridor. So the children, when they'd get up in the middle of the night, have to go to the bathroom, you know, you'll see this long corridor. It's the same corridor that you've travelled a million times. Right? You know where everything is, but suddenly when the lights are out, it's terrifying. 
right? And it feels like it's 200 meters long, surrounded by gargoyles and dragons, right? But it's just your corridor upstairs, right? Yes, your sister may be some breed of a gargoyle, but like she's probably asleep. <coughs> so just walk past, go to the bathroom. But, but in, in darkness, everything can just seem so much more terrifying. So once the light is turned on, everything's clear. And there's hope and there's truth and there's a way forward, there's a path. Once Christ is present, once the Lord is there. So this is our, this is our hope. This is our hope for marriage, this is our hope for our, our own professions and religious life and priesthood. This is our hope for, for, for unity, for truth, for peace. The Lord, it's Jesus, it's not me. It's not, it's, the solution isn't, isn't in me. It's in him. And that's, that's just such a, a wonderful truth to know and to live by. Now, Lord, I draw from you. I draw from you. I draw not from myself. I lean not on my own understanding. <clears throat> One of our Exodus 90 meditations has been that uh, the Lord didn't guide the people, the Hebrews, out into the desert for a nature walk. Right? He didn't guide them out just, just to get them away from Egypt, and, and that was it. He, was, he led them out into a wilderness, into a desert, deliberately. The desert, by the way, isn't even that big. I mean, if you walk in a straight line, you get through it in, I don't know, two or three weeks or something. They were there for 40 years. So there's, the Lord was doing something there. He was teaching them to rely on him. So when they had water, I'm sorry, when they lacked water, they started grumbling. They started giving out. Rather than saying, Lord, you have brought us this far. You have parted the, the Red Sea for us. We know you will take care of us. <clears throat> we ask you now for water. We know that you will provide. That's all they did. They complained. Moses listens to their complaints, passes their complaints on to the Lord, and they're granted the miracle of water from the rock. Then they're hungry. They said, did you lead us out in this place to die? Back in slavery, at least we had leeks and onions and garlic. Why anybody would want garlic, I have no idea. But, okay, we had it, okay? We were slaves and we got beaten, but we had leeks and garlic, right? This is, this is in the book of Numbers. This is what they said, right? They reminisced about the days of their slavery. At least they had flesh pots, right? So, they, and so rather than again calling out to the Lord, they grumbled. But the Lord still grants them the miracle of daily manna. I mean, this stuff is unreal. It appears, I was going to say magically, but it's probably better to say providentially, right? On the ground every morning, right? And I mean, I imagine it as kind of um, caramelized popcorn, right? They say it was sweet to the taste and kind of spongy. So, and it disappeared and you could gather as much as you needed for the day, but it would not last until the following day, except for the day before the Sabbath. The day before the Sabbath, then on that day, the manna would last two days because you weren't allowed to work and gather on, on, on the Sabbath. I mean, they saw this miracle every single day. Then after a while, what did they start saying? Yeah, we're tired of this manna. Same old miracle every day, you know? Boring miracles. Uh, and they grumbled against God again. So he sends them quail, just birds, just fall out of the sky, dead. No American with a shotgun in sight. Right? But they, and they grumble against him. He's trying to teach them. Rely on me. Lean on me. And I will take care of you. But how does he teach them this? In the wilderness. 
He teaches them in the wilderness, in the darkness. He teaches us in the darkness to identify the light, to long for the light, to follow the light, to pray for the light, to be obedient to the light. He teaches us amidst the cross to find him and to lean on him. And that's where our hope is found. And that's somehow just, <coughs> I find it very realistic. I don't, think it's, I don't find it pessimistic. I think it's realistic. That when, if and, well, when difficulties come our way, I rely on the Lord. I grab onto him until the storm passes. And it's something like all of us, all of us have to learn and relearn. I don't think it's easy for anyone. But this, is, this was the way of the saints. You know, in their, in their moments of need, in their moments of illness or persecution, or uh, the, think of the early church martyrs, the constant threat of being arrested or killed. Think of persecuted Christians throughout the world, even, even in our own day. Uh, and this can happen. <laughs> Any of us go through some sort of difficulty or challenge. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. On those who live in a land of deep shadow, a light has shone. Lord Jesus, we ask you today, in all of our situations, in all of our lives, in all of our vocations, in any of our challenges, in any moments of darkness, Lord, that we will find you as our light, and that you will guide, protect, heal, and resolve us and every situation. Amen. So dear brothers and sisters, it's Father Patrick Cahill here. I just want to thank you so much for all of your generosity over uh, our Christmas appeal. Thank you so much for uh, all that you've done for us in supporting us financially uh, and also for your prayers. Thank God we reached our target so we're able to continue uh, forming the hearts of young people to know, love and serve the Lord more deeply. This is all possible in, a, in the way that the church always is. We rely on each other, we support each other. There are some who speak, there are some who support, there are some who pray. Uh, we're all in this together. So thank you so much for your part uh, in this story and in the success of Holy Family Mission. We pray for you every day, especially on Wednesdays, where we offer our Mass uh, to St. Joseph, the Father of all providence, uh, also for your intentions. So may the good Lord reward you always. God bless.